I think that was the best episode ever. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Hey, what's going on? My uh, my ghetto mic stand has finally broken. I might need to buy a fancy, nice one like yours. My, Go for uh, it. My arm thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. The boom. The boom. Yeah. I'm telling you, this thing's great. It kind of hangs down, and like, and and some of those client calls I use the the webcam for. It's a conversation starter because you know, sometimes uh, like it's it's a wide shot, and they can see the mic and the uh, the, what, the pop uh, card. What brand did you purchase? It's uh, the Yeti. Oh, the Yeti Boomer. Well, I'm sorry about yeah, the 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 company's the blue. It's the um, Compass, the Compass Boom Arm. Yeah, this one was like ten bucks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't meant to work with the Yeti, so I've kind of rigged it together. Yeah, like it was the the big gift Suzanne got me for blue. for Christmas. Like as, as Christmas get closer, like she's like, "What do you want? What do you want?" I'm like, "Honestly, I want a really nice um, boom arm for the mic." Yeah, and, and it's great because it's also made it easier where I use the mic to um, for conference calls. Uh, so like clients have you know mentioned how like they hear uh, like the the sound quality on their end is much better because of the mic. Mm. Nice. All right, I see it. I I'm, I'm I can't participate in this conversation because. I'm just using a headset on this podcast where you guys have these professional setups. And it sounds just but. as good. Although although um, I've got quite a bit of feedback from people who have asked about our setup because the the quality, they, they say, is very high. Is it the quality on, on my voice or, or your voice? I mean, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> or the stipulate. They just, in general, <laughs> you know. Like what? What are you guys? What's your setup? Because the quality of it sounds a lot higher than most podcasts I listen to. So I don't know what podcast they're listening to. Mm-hmm. Nothing from. I'm sure it's nothing from NPR because we're not that level quality. But so if if you followed up with this person and that's been a couple people out... by the way, it's just not one person. <laughs> but if they uh, if they said maybe it was the quality of uh, of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> then that it throws everything bad? out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would feel, I would feel really bad. Well, what was it? A couple weeks ago, um, the recording tool. I didn't realize I had selected the Yeti mic as the the microphone, and then I used the the, the Beats as you know, just a, a, as as the you know to for the audio. Um, it switched over and switched everything to the Beats, including the microphone. And then I hit record, and I didn't see that. And then when I was going to actually edit it and listening back, I'm like, man, like something's wrong with my mic. And it was because of that. So like I, I like check like three different times before I hit record now to make sure it's got the Yeti instead of the uh, the beats for the microphone. Yeah. But uh, uh, speaking of headsets, 
you know, John, I was really hoping uh, that you were going to call in uh, from, from the beach today <laughs> for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have was, to see uh, some of those pictures. Yeah, I spent last weekend on a very desolate island, which was which was nice. But, you know, that said, I don't even know if they would have had Wi-Fi that would have been reliable out there. So it would <laughs> have been very be choppy. <laughs> but I'm, I'm back to the city. How, how do you pronounce it? Wait, what, the island? The, the island. Uh, the name is Ga Good. Ga Good. Yeah. Okay. Ga means like totally it's island in it. Thai. <laughs> uh, but I mean, people say it all, all the, all different ways. Yeah. That sounds hor- horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the, I was looking at the pictures and like there was nobody around and I'm like, oh, that's paradise. Yeah, there was, um, it's, it was kind of a hassle to get to. I mean, it's, it was like an eight, nine hour journey door to door, uh, a bus for hours, a ferry, that kind of thing. Um, but it's, yeah, there's really, it's, it was a lot larger, the island than I, than I was expecting. Um, and there were a variety of small hotels there, but the hotels were very bare bones, although they were like kind of, uh, a simple room that was like a bungalow on the, on the beach. But, you know, very, very simple. Not like a luxurious thing at all. Um, and then besides that, there was just really nothing to do. There were some kayaks available to rent. But outside that, of that, that, there was that sounds, nobody. That sounds absolutely amazing. <clears throat> I'm continuing on my trend of getting really uh, addicted to people's content on YouTube for things that I don't do. Um, so starting, starting very early, I was a uh, follower of... Gary Vaynerchuk's Wine Library TV from like the very early episodes and I don't drink wine. Uh, but I would watch those religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, I've uh, developed an addiction to lots of content on things I don't do. One of my current ones is I follow a guy on YouTube uh, called Steve-O One Canivo. He's a, he's a pilot. Mm-hmm. And he flies a lot of um, routes from like southern United States down into the Bahamas and um, he has his his plane set up with all these GoPros, and, and he talks about the logistics and specifics of flight, which I'm never going to be a pilot, but I still find it fascinating to watch. But anyway, to your island story, he's landing in all these tiny little islands where, you know, you could literally walk across it in 20 minutes, um, and it has a couple mm. of houses on it, and it's got a landing strip, and and there's nothing to do there, just hang out in in isolation. I'm like, this looks like the most amazing thing ever. Yeah, and other you places know? like that do exist. That's really, oh, that's really yeah. cool. I've seen him fly into probably 10, 15 different one, one of them. And he's like, and that's just, you know, a tiny percentage. When when he's flying over the Bahamas, you see these tiny little islands just everywhere out there. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this looks amazing. One day. <laughs> I did read at one point where, um, oh boy, I'm getting where, but in, in Canada, you can buy, there's a lot of islands for sale to have your own private island, and they're very affordable. And I mean, like in the thousands of dollars kinds of range. Like the, um, in, in, in lakes or like on the ocean? On the, see, I, I'm forgetting exactly what region of Canada it was, but I'm sure, I remember this huge Reddit thread on... Um, the pros and cons of buying your own island basically <laughs> and it was about this this region you know it, because the land was so cheap but the catch was there was literally no infrastructure i mean you'd have to yeah. wire your own electricity like you know figure everything out 
So, so that's probably a whole different conversation. And I don't think people think about the total cost of ownership of that. It's like, yeah, I can buy the land. That's actually affordable. It's everything else. So, um, just, just a quick aside story. So some of you may know that I've, I've got a cabin up in the mountains here in Utah. The, the quick backstory on that is, is my grandpa in like 1948, uh, along with a couple friends bought a Canyon. Um, and it was uh, 620 acres, and they pulled their money together. And I think my grandpa's investment was like three or four thousand dollars, which I'm sure is a tremendous amount of money in 1948. I don't, I don't know, um, but they bought this entire canyon. And I've always had had dreams of like I want to buy everyone else out and own this whole canyon. But then I look at it, and there was nothing there. And the the that group of people kind of handed it down to their children and their children's children and we've had to do everything build the roads um get the electricity in there we had to build a water tank that captures water from a spring we had to run water lines down to all the cabins and and like everything everything that you would think of a city doing like you you're responsible for all of that so the land becomes super super cheap it's making it livable is really really expensive yeah wow that was a, that's a really interesting story. What a treat, actually. Cause, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I knew about your cabin forever, but I never knew the that backstory around the canyon. Yeah, I didn't know those details either. Yeah, the quick the quick backstory on this, and I'm sure people are like, can you guys just get to the damn topic already? Um, <laughs> no, so... they're like, stay on this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know why. I, I, I wish I would have asked my, my grandpa to go into more detail, but... What what I've gathered is that him and his friends wanted to be like uh, Western Americans that go out and go hunting and do like the 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 Western thing. They wanted to be a cowboy, you know, um, and they wanted to go deer hunting. Uh, and and I don't know the the kind of climate and landscape in the '40s, but my my sense was is that Italian Americans were not looked on all too favorably. Um, and they weren't really invited to go hang out with the rest of the, the white trash hillbillies that went up into the hills and, and went deer hunting. Um, and they felt, they felt really isolated. They wanted to be part of that, that group. And so, um, they started kind of going off together and they stumbled across this Canyon and ended up buying it and they made it into their like private hunting reserve. They built really, really, um, what's the right word to say it's, it's it's got to sound better than cheap. Um, really, I don't know. Value oriented. <laughs> they built some small hunting cabins out of um, out of block, cinder block, and um, the wives would go up there and cook polenta and cook you know some some warm food while the boys were out in the hills hunting deer, and they'd come back and have their little hunting lodge there, and that was kind of the beginning of the the canyon, and that led into to me getting the land and building our cabin. So. It, it does have a really cool backstory behind it. Wow. So there you go. Feel free to yeah, leave a comment really cool. if you'd like Jason <laughs> to just continue with these stories because they're really good. <laughs> yeah. And I can segue that and we can use the beach to segue that as well. One of the things that... that... was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that... Uh... And, and I, I may be embarrassed to uh, even admit this, um, but when, when I'm home, um, I love reading nonfiction. 
Um, just like I, I love watching documentary film, but there's something weird that happens when I go into the mountains, uh, when I go to the cabin and, um, my grandpa and I, before he, he passed away, um, ended up collecting, um, every Louis L'Amour book ever, ever written and published. Um, even the ones that he wrote under a pseudonym. So I have a, um, a library, um, up there of all of these Louis L'Amour books and they're cheesy. And, and some of them are just bad, but I don't know what it is about that environment, but I just love reading those old kind of spaghetti Western type hmm. um, books when, when I'm up there. And it's not something I would typically read when, when, uh, when I'm at home. So there's your segue, Jim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I go back and forth um, between like fiction, nonfiction. I love like reading, um, sports books so like athlete memoirs um those are there's a those are always a lot of fun but yeah like this was a topic we'd kind of just thrown on the the list to cover at some point as we got closer to summer and then when i saw john's pictures over the weekend i'm like that's what we're going to talk about uh because you know like during the winter just with i, I always kind of get out of the habit of reading but as soon as the summer comes around and Chances are this is going to be really the last um, summer for a little while where I'll actually be able to just sit on the beach and read. Um, that being said, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about, like, you know, what, what's on our summer reading list for this year? You know, and, and again, that, that doesn't need to be that specific. You know, also kind of cover some you know, recent books that we've read. Um, this is a, some of the feedback we, we, we've gotten recently. I think, Jason, you also mentioned this on the last one is, is, you know, while, you know, our, our space, the, you know, 33 sticks is, you know, is focused in analytics, you know, a lot of the, our, our, the popular episodes focus on stuff in just, just general business, general technology. Um, so this is the time of year, people, they start planning vacations, they start planning to have reading material with them. You know, what are some of the books that we've either read recently that we'd recommend to somebody else, or what are the books that we have on our list? Um, to, to, to read in the coming weeks and months. I will give you my current list that I plan to get through this summer. And I'm a notoriously bad about what are you, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I was just taking a photo of the screen. I didn't mean to distract everyone. I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. I'm suspicious of everything now. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't have to photo. Yeah. Uh, I meant to do that very seamlessly, but it interrupted the entire episode, so I apologize. Um, and I'm so, not editing this out. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm notoriously bad about starting lots of books and not not so good at finishing lots of books. So I have four that I've kind of um, cracked into that I I'd like to finish reading. Um, so I'm reading The Laws of Human Nature uh, as a recommendation from Evan Lapointe. Uh, it's really, really heavy. So I'm, I'm struggling with that one. It's, it's really good content, but, but really, really heavy. Uh, Jen, when we were at Adobe summit brought me the signal and the noise, um, from Nate Silver, which I've been reading and I'm finding really, really interesting, but it's also, it's a pretty heavy read as well. Not something you can just sit down and, and crank through. Um, I, I like to read The Tipping Point uh, from Malcolm Gladwell. I just finished um, David and Goliath, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, and so I picked up uh, The Tipping Point, uh, which I'd like to read. And then um, because I've been such a, uh, a fan of Yvonne Chouinard, and I've probably been posting way too many of his feel-good hippie quotes, um, but I, I just... 
as some of you may know, I'm a huge fan of Patagonia uh, and their their business philosophies. Uh, I picked up Let My People Go Surfing um, from Yvonne Chouinard. And I also picked up, I'll have to go find it, um, a hardcover book from him that's like more of a, a biography that uh, I'm looking through. So I'm actually actively reading Let My People Go Surfing right now. And it's for me, it's just... It just, uh, it, it makes me feel um, good. <laughs> it's like uh, someone out there is running a business the way they want to run it. And um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing read so far. Nice, nice. Um, with, with all of um, your talk and quotes around Yvonne Chouinard, I did put Let My People Go Surfing on the list. So I'm going to tackle that, you know, at, at some point this summer. Um, so I'm going to read that one as well. Yeah, that one yeah, looked interesting awesome. to me too. Yeah, Actually. and John, you just you I saw your uh, was it on Instagram or was it on our internal Slack? You started reading Thirst. Yeah, um, and this is a book a book that uh, you know Jason heavily promoted, and actually my copy is from you from when I mentioned it on Twitter. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember months ago. Yeah, I sent, um, I sent five or six people a, a copy of it. Yeah, so I'm just reading. Um, and honestly, I'm... Yeah, it was actually when I was at the island. I sat down and read like 100 pages all in one go, which is a good chunk for me at, at a time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. It's a, uh, Scott Harrison's story about the um, just his journey to, to found, uh, founding Charity Water. Uh, and it's a really a, quite a fascinating read. So it is. I, I, yeah, yeah, it's a very um, inspirational read. Um, and you guys may remember or may not, but I also read it when I was on quote vacation um, in San Diego, and I we recorded a podcast, and I was up on the roof uh, top deck reading Thirst, and took a break to record one of our podcast episodes. So you, you could hear the uh, the, the what do we call it the like the air conditioner. The yeah, background. the air conditioner chirping in the background. <laughs> no, it was great. It added to the ambiance <clears throat> of that episode. I actually brought some props since I actually, at another part of the transition, I recently transitioned back to real books from using a Kindle for a while, actually. Um, I don't know. Somehow, the I, I love the Kindle, which is how I was reading for a long time, but I yeah. kind of just felt having, it sounds weird, but um, it's not just holding the book. I mean, honestly, it was just seeing it on your bookshelf after you read it, I feel like was kind of cool. Yeah. I want both. For me. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like it almost the book is a trophy or something. <laughs> it, it, it is. And I should, I'll take a picture of my bookshelf. I have, I have a pretty good sized bookshelf in my office here and I've created a shelf for like all the books I've read this year lined yeah. up. Cause it's kind of like a, aha, it's my accomplishment. Um, but, uh, yeah, I used to read pretty heavily on the Kindle. Um, and I haven't for many, many years. I just love the feel of the, the book, but I've been going back through my notes, um, um, because it's integrated with Goodreads, and I can go back through all of the notes and highlights I took on my Kindle in Goodreads, and I'm like, this is awesome. So you may have seen me on social posting a lot of quotes from the Consulting Bible. That's because I stumbled across all of my notes that I had taken and highlights I had done in the Kindle um, in in Goodreads. I'm like, there's some good stuff in here, and you know, I just, I, I, there's no way I'll take a a highlight or two to one of my actual books. I just won't do it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Anyway. But uh, yeah, so I did want to tell you about two books I recently read that I really enjoyed, and I can show them to you on the camera. 
The first one is Factfulness by Hans Rosling. Uh, if you don't know him, he, he has some great TED Talks where he uses uh, animated bubble charts, which sounds very complicated. But he does it to show a lot of positive trends that are happening around the world. Um, and what this book is basically about is um, how when you talk to many people, they say the world's getting worse. You know, when you compare it to the old days on many, on, you know, like it's getting more dangerous, uh, people are dying sooner, all, all kinds of different dimensions. But what his uh, argument is that that's completely incorrect on almost every measure. And the world has actually consistently been getting better um, in almost every measurement uh, as time goes on. Uh, Say the name of the book again, because I, I... Factfulness. 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 Okay. Yeah, and it's 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 list. a pretty quick. It's a it's not a super dense read. I actually originally um, saw it on Bill Gates's uh, reading list, and actually his 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 critique of it is on the top. One of the most important books I've ever read. So I don't know. That kind of sold me. <laughs> so um, and it, so it's it's broken out uh, into chapters, and every chapter goes through a different type of psychological bias that people have, whether you're you know everyday folk or like a Nobel Prize winner on how you misperceive uh, uh, the facts in many cases. So it's it's I agree that it was a, it's it really altered my worldview on many things. No, that's that's amazing. I'm I, I am so bad at buying books, and every time I like someone recommends or I see something, I like instantly go to Amazon because I can have it in <laughs> two days. And now I have a backlog of like eighty books I need to read. I'm so bad at doing that, but you um, know, there's a word like, for that. Is there? There's. I mean, it sounds so cliche. Lazy. But there, I, uh, you know, I, there's like a. It's one of those things where there's a Japanese word for you know some mm -hmm. exact thing. And uh, boy, one of us will Google it during the, the course of this podcast, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Okay. Right. But yeah, the, the idea Jim's of building up books it. before you're, you know, able to actually read them. So when Jim finds that term, that's that's me. <laughs> um, but no, I, I love that idea. And it's I, I think it's something anecdotally that we've heard and we feel. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's is it is it religion? Is it um, is it news? Like there's some there's some power out there that forces the negative worldview to sell mm -hmm. something that they're selling. Um but if you take a step back and logically look at it, I think a lot of times the narrative is is wrong. Jim found it. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. I think I think it's pronounced Sundioko. Sundioku. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Jim. That's me. I hope I hope <laughs> I hope I hope Jim didn't send me some Japanese word that me that's like so it means something completely different than I think it is. And Jim's playing a joke on me. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, no. So I really recommend that one. The other book that I I recently read that I I love, which is kind of dense but it's an amazing story sapiens a brief history of humankind and this brief history is you know 500 pages but it is amazing like uh the 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 scope of the story that it is it's basically the story of humans from evolution all the way to modern day and he does it in like a very narrative type of story which is i don't know i think like encompassing all of hu the civilization's history from every side, like in one story. It's like he's just a very extremely knowledgeable master storyteller. So for that reason, it's it's just like kind of a 
it's a it's it's like watching a movie of everything that ever happened on earth like <laughs> it, that's that's how i would describe it that's amazing so i have two questions now but i also reminded <laughs> it also reminded me I do want to reread since you mentioned Bill Gates. It's been I don't I can't remember when this was published and I first read it. I want to say sometime in the nineties. Um is The Road Ahead. Um mm-hmm. I, I want to go back and reread that and see how things aligned with what he was talking about back then. And I think mm-hmm. if I remember right, it was a pretty quick read. So side note. So the two questions and I think I've already forgot one of them. Oh, no, I, I remember both of them. So one I'm interested in, do you have some kind of um, a reading schedule that you like to stick to? Is it more whenever you're in the mood? Um, and the second question would be, you always seem to come up with some really interesting um, books or movies or things that are not really in the mainstream. And I'm wondering where you're getting your recommendations from. So the books thing is interesting, the, the, where I get the recommendations from, because Actually, I, just in my day-to-day life, I find myself walking by bookstores often, and I actually just physically go into bookstores quite a lot. And just I'm one of those people who just like skims all the the books that are featured out there, like looking at the shelves. Just when I'm, it's just very interesting to me, and I I do that with a lot more books than I actually end up reading. But mm. um, and I and I feel yeah, so I'll a lot of times just get. You know, just find books that look interesting from from that point of view. Um, and then I, you know, I sometimes will look at like you know, like Bill Gates's reading list too, which is a, uh, I feel like he always makes very strong recommendations, and he's also very honest about whether you know, like you really need to be super deep into a certain topic to enjoy a certain read. Like he, I feel like he's very candid about that aspect of his mm-hmm. recommendations that it helps curate it a little bit for me but um yeah that's usually the way unless i hear and also just hearing people you know like yourself or or whoever talk about books as well but um i wouldn't say i'm a i like to keep up reading as much as i can but i'm i'm definitely not one of those people who goes through like a book every week or anything like that yeah i don't want to i don't want to set everyone's expectations (laughs) incorrectly but (laughs) um but when I'm on my uh, own private island in in Thailand, yeah. I do read a book or two. So, but uh, and generally, and and thanks to the flexibility of our schedule, though, in terms of when I read, I like to read in the morning, actually, for me, mm. which I know is not a luxury for everyone. It's usually the end of the day, but for me, it's kind of like the way I warm up my brain almost sure. in the morning. So that's okay. I do, and sometimes I get more addicted to it yeah. time wise than others. But I I don't set like a a block of time, a predetermined block of time or anything like that. Got it. Okay. I'm interested in it because I, I go through um, peaks and valleys and I have tried the block of time thing um, because I've, I've read other people's recommendations that it's a good way to set the habit. And rather than like number of pages or chapters, it's like just read for 20 or 30 minutes. And I've tried that and I've been really good at it. And sometimes I'll go weeks and weeks and weeks and then I miss a day or two. And then I find it's like been like two weeks since, since I picked up a book. So, um, you know, I, I, I struggle with having a daily routine and maybe that's okay. Yeah. I've been thinking about that too, because I, I go through those periods of being like a very voracious reader and then just something comes along and the, everything changes. And yeah, it's been forever since I've, I've read anything. And I remember hearing a few people talk about like the, what they call like the 52 week challenge, 
which is to read a book a week. So by the end of the year, you've read 52 books. Now, I don't know if I can necessarily do that, but one of the things I'm trying to get back into the habit of doing, which I was doing for a while, was, you know, toward the end of the night, like, John, unlike you, which you start off your day, I would kind of wind down my, my day by reading for an hour or so. So I'm trying to find a way to integrate that back in for at least 15, 20 minutes, just, you know, reading something and then kind of shutting down the day instead of, like, you know, ending the day watching TV or something like that. Um, so I, I'm trying to get back into the habit. I'm hoping with the summer coming around, um, you know, be able to do that. Um, but uh, one of the books I've recently read now, I mean, I will admit my, my wife and I are suckers when it comes to the show Fixer Upper. <laughs> I love that show. Um, and one of the things is, is I mean, I get it. It's a TV show. but they, they I, come I think across... I've seen one of those books lying around my house that you may mention. Go ahead. Um, they, they seem like genuine people. So I read uh, Chip Gaines's book, uh, Capital Gains. Um, and, and in it, you know, he, he comes across as just a, gen, a genuine dude. And he gives a story of how he got to where he is. And, um, you know, the subtitle of the book is Smart Things I've Done by Doing Stupid Stuff. And I mean, he's open about some of the crazy things he did, some of the the, the risks he took, um, you know, just getting started. And one of the things that that, that that I picked up on and, you know, kind of resonated with me was he was talking about like, in, you know, when he was in college, um, you know, he, he went to, to Baylor University, but he it was like, you know, college just wasn't for me. You know, like, you know, people couldn't wait to get the class and was sitting in class. He goes, I'm daydreaming about going out and making money. <laughs> and... You know, he, you know, he talks about looking outside and seeing the landscaper and he's like, who's more free? You know, the person who graduates with a four year degree and has to go to an office every day or the guy who's outside cutting the lawn every day and is out in the sun and enjoying, you know, the outside. I'm like, eh, that's an interesting perspective on on things. But overall, you know, I thought I thought it was a, it was a good book. And, you know, again, they, they, they come across as just, you know, pretty, pretty genuine people. And, you know, it's fun just hearing the story because everyone looks at them now with like their, their home decor empire. You know, they're, they're in the process of working with Discovery Network on an entire channel that they're going to produce content for. But, you know, he talks about the early days and even like, you know, with a TV show, they really didn't start to get comfortable until like the fourth season of the TV show. And he's also someone that, um, he values his freedom. So he talks about, you know, ending the TV show. He's like, we could have kept going, but I started to feel more and more caged by the TV show. You know, I have to wear this shirt. I have to do this. I have to do that. He goes, I, I don't want to live my life that way. I want to kind of live things on my own, my own terms. And again, I'm paraphrasing a bit. So that, that's one of the things I definitely enjoyed about uh, that one. So yeah. I mean, for me, that's, that, that, that's one I would recommend to just about anybody. I think it's, it's, it's just a good read. Yeah, very cool. I think I don't think it's that one, but there's another one um, sitting around my house that I think I've 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 seen. So, um, side note: is it is it weird and creepy that I want John to take the camera and give us a tour of his place? Not at all. <laughs> okay. He's not. Uh, he's not. He's not on on camera right now, so he doesn't know what we, we're talking about. No, so. not at all. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Welcome. Um, so there's that um, one. But then the next one I have up my <laughs> list is actually one, Jason, that you sent me. It's been um, I've been it's been sitting right over there to, to, to read. It's uh, never split the difference. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, have yeah. to read that one next. Yeah, um, that one. I'm going to reread that one because I think I probably picked up about 10% of the techniques uh, that he talks about there. And there's a couple that I use all the time. Um, and, and I highly recommend that book to, to anyone, not just people that are in sales. Uh, we're all in sales. You know, we're all selling something. Um, and the techniques and the story and just the stories he talks about, you know, just a, a quick background. He was... Um, hostage negotiator he led a lot of the uh hostage negotiations for international kidnapping cases um and uh he he talks through different um cases and then he uses those to talk through his techniques for for negotiation it's a it's a fascinating read and i think there's a lot of really tangible uh things you can pull out of that so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to you reading that and, and sharing mm-hmm. your feedback Yep. So, so that is definitely next on the list. And then just a couple other things to mention. So like I mentioned, let my people go surfing. I added that the other day to the list. Um, and I just bought that, um, based on, you know, some of the stuff that you've been posting. And then one, going back to a recommendation from a while ago, which I started and then put down, I want to pick back up again is, uh, why we buy, um, John, oh, yeah. that was a recommendation from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently Pac- thought there was Pac- an up- Paco, Paco Underhill. Yeah, Paco Underhill. And it's basically, uh, I recently saw that there were, I didn't read it yet, but uh, there was an updated version to the book that I originally recommended, updated for the internet era. I mean, Hmm. I'm sure it's not updated to the minute, but (laughs) uh, at least within the last few years, because the original book predated any online behavior. But still very, very relevant. Yeah, definitely. uh, Again, that book was all about, uh, he, he basically studied the way people shop in retail environments uh, and going from physical stores to techniques that, uh, well, he basically he was making recommendations to retailers on how to design stores to better optimize shopping experiences or optimize revenue for the store, I should say. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really cool read. I, I picked it up on Audible um after john i think recommended it and and listened to it it's uh it's fascinating to hear him talk about Hmm. physically being in the store tracking things that we do in the digital world thinking through like entering the store uh going to a product detail page picking up a product adding it to the cart. i'm like this is so fascinating (laughs) that like that he's drawing this whole kind of purchase funnel in the in the store and this was this was back in I, i can't remember when he first started doing this but this was a good time ago yeah yeah and i mean i've talked to people i'm like you know the grocery store like things aren't where they are by accident um mm-hmm. and i'm not just talking about like the you know the the, the soda is all in this aisle and, and and stacked this way no like i mean products that you don't think are necessarily related are all still together because at a deeper level they are or you know it triggers some kind of purchase pattern you know, yeah. like they, they say, like, if you're trying to eat better, stay out of the center of the grocery store. Well, <laughs> for, first, don't go shopping hungry, uh, but stay stay to the perimeter of the grocery store. That's where, you know, your meats, veggies, um, stuff that is not just, you know, loaded with sugar typically are. All of the, the unhealthy, the junk food, the snacks, candy, all of that is toward the, the center of the store. You know, that, that, that's a common little, uh, trick. Yeah. My other, Oh, I was going to say my other favorite uh, along those lines, uh, in terms of how they do the merchandising is items that people are most likely to go to the store 
to the a supermarket to buy our I think eggs and milk. Mm-hmm. So those are always in the back of the store, never in the front, because the it will drive the most people to walk through an aisle where they will likely purchase something else. So it's yeah. a way to increase their average basket size, basically. Yeah. And another good one, too, is about every year they completely switch up where everything is. <laughs> and I, I've talked to, like, friends and family who are like, oh, they, you know, they, they, they changed everything around. I don't know where anything's at. I'm like, it's on purpose because mm-hmm. you st- you develop your pattern. Like, when I go grocery shopping, I know the exact route I want to take so I get exactly what I can get and get out. Like, I mean, like I, I've done, like, a grocery trip, like, for – you know, several things we need, like, in 15 minutes because I know the exact route to go through, so I'm not constantly backtracking and I'm not distracted. They change everything around, which means you have to plan a whole new route through the store. So, again, then something catches your eye that you weren't necessarily planning on buying. Yeah. They do it for people like you, basically. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's yeah. why I recognize Jim why they the do it. is the reason you should be mad that they switch up your grocery store. No, I know. Maybe no, it was I... specifically just you that they did it for. Um, no, I mean, the reason why I recognize why they do it is because of that exact reason. I am trying to, I I don't go shopping. I go buying. I I have a list Mm -hmm. on what I'm going to buy and that's exactly what I'm getting. Um, and I know the exact route I'm going to take through it. Um, it's my OCD. What can I say? (laughs) Um, so yeah, when they change it up, I'm like, yeah, it's because of people like me that don't (laughs) buy more than they planned. Because they know they have their list, they know their route, and they just walk with blinders on. That's because that's because grocery yeah. stores make like one cent on the dollar, <laughs> and any loss is going to take away from that. So they need all that upsells, Jim. You're making it so they can't be profitable. <laughs> you got to buy that stuff. Actually, the the downfall of the entire industry you know. is is me. Just one person. There's a there's a fascinating. Led the way do- to Amazon buying. <laughs> there's a fascinating <laughs> documentary uh, that I wish I could find online. I've been looking for it for years. I want to say I first saw it on the History Channel. It's like a 30 minute um, mini documentary with the guy that um, designed the the first convenience stores, and he talks through his strategy on why he puts certain things in certain places in the convenience store. Very similar to the grocery store. Um, it was such a fascinating watch. I, I, I think it was on the History Channel. I and have never been able to find like a bootleg copy online, but I, I know it's out there. I'm gonna keep searching. If I find it, I'll, I'll share it. Um, so, I'm sorry, I keep ahead. interrupting you. But no, no, I go ahead. Gonna, I'm like this, this conversation is really reminding me of why I got excited about analytics in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I agreed, and, and it is such a a fascinating topic that we're all exposed to. A lot of times, we just we just don't realize it. Um, so speaking of that, I'm interested if you, if either of you have any kind of analytics related books on your summer reading list and, or, and this is a question I get asked all the time and people are often surprised at my answer. What, what book or books do you recommend to someone that is, um, in the analytics space? Oh, I have a good one, but I'm looking up the exact title cause I don't have it in front of me. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak to it. Yes. I just recently st- actually read this book, which, um, uh, it's an O'Reilly book of creating a data driven organization, practical advice from the trenches is the title. And I almost don't want to say it because 
anyone who reads and really um, absorbs this book will be able to do whatever we do. I think uh, at the at the same level or beyond. So, <laughs> so I, I I disagree. Um, and it, there's a there's a fascinating conversation in the culinary world about a similar subject about uh, oh, top yeah. chefs that write cookbooks <laughs> and those that don't. And, and those that do have the overwhelming belief that the recipes aren't what makes them what they are. True. That's a, that's a very valid point, yes. Okay. But, uh, yeah, well, so that aside, the content is very interesting for anyone who uh, is involved in an organization that wants to work towards ways of making uh the strategy more of a data-driven one just it talks about that kind of what's involved in that uh migration evolution give me the title one more time i'm gonna throw it on my amazon list uh creating a data-driven organization it's a yeah an o'reilly book yep. by yep, carl absolutely. anderson so yeah and carl anderson was a uh, I'm not sure if he currently is still, but he was uh, the director of data science for Warby Parker, basically. Ah, okay. So it's pretty, you know, relatively relevant, uh, modern in our industry. So, not not a lot of reviews. There's not a lot of people that like reading the nerdy books that we like. <laughs> Always the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, like, I, I don't necessarily have, like, any industry-related No, it doesn't books. need to be industry-related, yeah. just analytics-related. Yeah, like, I mean, even <laughs> analytics-related, too. Like, I honestly, I, I, I really don't. Um, uh, a lot of the books have been, like, bios that, that, that kind of jump out, like, this, this is going to sound, like, I don't have a good way of putting this. But, like, again, like, going back to what I started with is, um, you know, I, I, I love reading books written by athletes. Mm -hmm. Um you know, uh, and because you, you, you pick up little things that they did to get to an elite level. So um, Nick Foles, who um, he was the quarterback that won the Super Bowl for the Eagles two years ago, um, well, a year and a half ago. Um, he's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wrote a book afterwards. And, you know, it, you know his book was um, about adversity. You know, he was drafted by the Eagles and um, played really well. I just, um, you know, I, I always saw, thought he was a great quarterback, but got traded just because he got caught up in organizational changes and coaching changes. He got caught up in that and got traded, but then came back. And, you know, he had to kind of swallow his pride because he came back as a backup, but then got his chance to, 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 to play and, you know, took them and, and, and they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, just reading here how he kept his ego in track, um, just little traits like that, the things like you can apply just general, ge uh, generally throughout life. Um, another book I read um, about uh, a baseball player, he literally got one at bat and got hit in the head with a ball. And again, you know, how his, his approach, but then how did he ultimately get to that point? Because, I mean, he, it, it, he had just gotten called up and, and how did you know how did he become like a top draft pick to a top prospect was you know he was talking about like his training regimen uh before he got hurt and just the the repetition again so yeah unfortunately i don't have a good answer when it comes to analytics books um i try to pick you know i i have this habit of just picking up 
general life skills that I'm able to transition into what we do. Yeah. The, the repetition, the organization, and honestly, you know, again, the Nick Foles book I thought was great because it just talks about dealing with adversity and dealing with organizational changes and, you know, like not, you know, not getting too down on yourself. Cause I mean, he was about to quit the NFL altogether after, you know, some of the things that happened. I dig it. My, uh, my recommendation, um, whenever I'm asked what is the most important book you've ever read um, that applies to being an analyst um, is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And uh, people are like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, it's the, it's the book that I read um, that got me interested in, in analytics and thinking analytically. And um, I have probably read it seven or eight times now. And it's, it's probably one of my top three books of, of all time. And I don't know if you guys reread books or anything, but what I've found is that um, it's never the same, you know, depending on where I'm at in my life or the experience I've added, the next time I read it, I get something completely different out of it. Um, but it, it was such a good book to think about things analytically and how to think about things in a, in a structured manner. Um, so it's the number one book I, I always recommend when I'm asked, like, what's, what's your top analytics book? It's, it's that one. Oh, it should be, we should have a 33 sticks, like a orientation onboarding packet package <laughs> a set and send a, and send a copy. <laughs> I did send a copy to Hilab probably eight or nine years ago. Um, hmm. and, and when she was reading it, she was taking it with her everywhere she went. And I, I can't remember where she was some one time, but she got comments from it in a couple, couple places. And then. Maybe people should listen to my recommendations. Um, yeah. I, I recommended Choke to her, um, Chuck Palahniuk, uh, who I'm a huge fan of. And he's creepy and eerie and all sorts of weird shit. Uh, so he wrote Fight Club, if, if you're not familiar with any mm. of his other work. Um, but he wrote a book called, um, no, Survivor. He also, I, I recommended Survivor to her. And she's been reading that and been dragging it around. I think she was at uh, UCLA Medical Center or something. Um and one of the surgeons, her, so her son broke his jaw skateboarding, um, and they were kind of doing a follow-up at UCLA, and I think the surgeon or something noticed she was reading that book. He's like, oh, no way, that's amazing. Like, you're reading that? And so they had this bonding moment over it, and she felt really cool. So, you know, <laughs> apparently I have good book recommendations sometimes. Survivor is a crazy, if you want a crazy read. <laughs> I don't Have you guys read any Chuck Palahniuk stuff? He's no. crazy. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, it's it's one of my uh, it's one of my obsessions that I, I don't admit too freely, but I'm I'm really into his writing. This is a really good conversation. I was I'm actually yeah. I was surprised. I honestly didn't have high expectations for the topic. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was, was always the Demi Downer, and then at the end he's like, "Oh, this actually worked out okay." Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm always a late uh, late uh, late adopter on late believer on these things. But no, I just don't we understand how podcasts work. I guess. No, none of us do. That's that's why the whole idea of our podcast was like we we just get together and talk, and we're like we should just record this. This is a pod. It's like it's like Seinfeld. What'd you do today? That's an episode. Yeah, <laughs> how's that an episode? It's on TV. <laughs> you know. You know, I recently much. I've been reading the 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 most recent big trend in social media. I think it actually came from Gary uh, Vaynerchuk, like he is uh, where he was saying everything's moving to just true authenticity. It's not about, 
you know, the size of your net as much as like just being more authentic. So this I'm, podcast I'm fits right that. into that. Yeah. No, it is. That was one of our goals is we, we didn't want it to be overly polished and produced. We wanted it to be a reflection of, of us and really how we work. I mean, that's, that's really central to how we work is, is authentic. Um, and so trying to overly polish and script a podcast really didn't fit our, our, our culture. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying, because there's so many people that do seemingly perfect curation nowadays of things that there's really no room there anymore, where like the new f- thing that really makes you stand out is just being authentic. It's like just going back to basics. I like it. I'm a fan. I am a fan. Well, we should do a follow up where we talk about our favorite films and documentaries. Yes, I will put that on the list. We'll, let's do that. <laughs> and next John, week. John's going to be like, ah, that's I don't not going to be this, a good one. This topic is not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work at all. Oh, well, it's been a few weeks since Endgame came out, so we could possibly mention spoilers. Uh, favorite films, films and documentaries. But too soon for Game of Thrones. I don't know. <laughs> and like all of the stuff that you guys are talking about, I'm going to be like, I don't know no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, that's actually not things. a bad one. So I'll, I'll be able to go through, you know, like the list because I've, I've got some documentaries every now and then that I'll rewatch on Netflix. And honestly, Jason, there's one, the 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 slow, which is the the train ride in uh, Norway. Hey, would you be surprised if I told you I've watched it? I've watched it. I mean, I'll watch it like in 10 or 15 minute increments. Sometimes I put it on the background just as white noise. It is the coolest thing. It is awesome. There, it's I a actually, real it's a real time train ride between yeah. two it's cities. It's like eight hours. Yeah, <laughs> and it's I, great. Be- <laughs> it, it's great because like I think it was like two weeks ago the baby just went settle down, and I, I I just put that on TV so it was just some kind of noise or whatnot, and boom, baby was out and it was great. So uh, yeah, that that's on the list. And I'll make sure we bring that up. So yeah, let's talk about that next week. I was gonna say, can I make a request to make it a little bit wider and just say yeah Netflix recommendations? I like documentary it. or not. Yes, let's do it. I think that would be a fun one. All right, cool. Yeah, because there's there's some really good stuff in there. Netflix recommendations. All right, perfect. We have our topic cool. for next week. All right, this has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. Really good. Cool. So we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up for now, and uh, I will catch you guys later. Cool. I think that was the best episode ever. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.